So, last week we started a new sermon series titled Outcry, a study of 12 Psalms of David. David penned far more than 12 Psalms, but for most of his Psalms, we don't know the historical context, the setting that inspired the Psalm. But for 13 of his Psalms, uh, there's a superscript that tells us what the situation was at the writing of the Psalm. Why aren't we doing a 13-week series? Well, because two of those seem to be addressing the same historical situation. So we're going to look at 12 psalms with 12 different historical situations. And the reason we're titling it Outcry is because we get to listen in as David cries out to God from the midst of his situation. There, There are few things more important spiritually than knowing how to bring to God your inner life knowing how to appropriately cry out to the Lord in a a variety of circumstances. One of the reasons that uh, the Psalms were collected and preserved for us is because uh, God's people have benefited tremendously from the models of the Psalms, the examples. We get to read how other godly men and women cried out to the Lord in their time of trial or in their time of rejoicing. And so we can study and and then practice. And sometimes we just read the psalm straight out. Uh, And and God, through the psalms, gives us words to articulate uh, our own feelings. And, And so we get to listen in and learn from David as he cries out to the Lord, a man after God's own heart who uh, encountered a variety of circumstances. Sometimes David is just praising God for being on the throne and taking comfort in the fact that because God's on the throne, everything's okay. It's all going to work out fine. Sometimes he is saying, God, I am desperately in need of deliverance. Please deliver me. And sometimes he's looking back and, and, and thanking God for having delivered him. Our psalm today is Psalm chapter 18. And here is the superscript. The superscripts, by the way, were not written by David. They were added later by those who compiled the Psalms and gave us the book of Psalms. But they are part of the sacred scriptures, and they were certainly around at the time of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he treated them as scripture. So here we go. Superscript of Psalm 18. To the choir master, a psalm of David the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul, he said. So what's the circumstance? A yay circumstance. That's right. David is enjoying a time of peace and prosperity. For many years, he has been struggling. He has been at war. Life has been conflict. But now he is at a place in life where where he's been victorious over all his enemies. And, And what I think he's doing in this psalm is I think he's answering the question, how did I get here? And when we are experiencing a time of prosperity, a time of success, How we answer the question, how do I get here, makes all the difference. It determines whether or not uh, that is a a soul-robbing time of our lives or a time of spiritual 
uh, thriving. In verses 43 to 45, I think David tells us a little bit about the situation. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. And so David is saying, I, my throne is fully established. I am a world-recognized leader. Foreigners are coming to me, pledging their allegiance, bringing their gifts. Uh, I am the undisputed king of Israel. Nobody, nobody's challenging me for the throne. Uh, how did I get here? How did I get here? How we answer that question in our time of peace and prosperity makes all the difference. Uh, it, is, it is often recognized that uh, times of peace and prosperity in our lives can be spiritually risky. And why? Well, it's because uh, we, can, we don't feel our need for God, and we can become forgetful of God, and we can begin to become prideful and think, I'm all okay, and I'm running my life pretty well. Before we get into how David answers the question, how do I get here, I want to um, look at Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, because he answered this question, and unfortunately in the wrong way. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, uh, we read this. Nebuchadnezzar, I'll just, here's the background. Nebuchadnezzar is on the top of his palace, and he's looking out over glorious Babylon. And he's asking the question, how did I get here? I'll start in verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, I find that phrasing fascinating. Nobody's asked him a question. So who's he answering? I think he's answering the question that he's posed in his own mind. What accounts for my success? How did I get here? And the king answered and said, verse 30, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? How did I get here? By my mighty power and for my glory. And then we keep reading Nebuchadnezzar's story, and God humbled him. He spent a year crazy and uh, acting like an animal to the point of eating grass. And God had to humble Nebuchadnezzar. And that is the heart cry of the secular person when they are enjoying some success in life. What accounts for my success? My strength, my wits. My goodness, my hard work. And you know what? It's for my glory. People should recognize. The reason I'm sitting in the corner office is because I'm smart and I'm hardworking. The reason my kids are so well-adjusted is because I am a savvy parent. The reason I'm the captain of the soccer team is because I've been drilling hard since I was a kid. 
The reason I'm retired early is because I controlled my spending impulses and I saved well. I'm financially disciplined. And I got here by my own strength. And you know what? I deserve a little credit for this. So how do, how do we answer the question, how did I get here in times of prosperity? Last week, we looked at uh, Psalm chapter 3, and, and David was, I think, wrestling with the question, when our life is in, the, in a mess, what do we do? And this week, it's, hey, when my life is, is all great, when I'm just sort of uh, riding high, when I am in the pinnacle of my success and my prosperity, how do I respond in a way that does not kill my soul? And I think one of the great truths of this text is that we don't have to be in a crisis to be close to God. We can be close to God in the midst of prosperity if we answer rightly the question, how did I get here? What accounts for my success? And so David gives us a great example because he answers this question in a way that brings spiritual life to him and actually facilitates his love relationship with God. And I see four parts to his answer to the question, how did I get here? And the first, let me just read the first few verses. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Boy, he just keeps piling it on. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Verse 16, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. How did I get here? David says, not by my own strength. I am not the author of my success. How important it is for us to declare that. David took time to write it down. He's talking to himself, he's talking to God, and he's talking to anyone who reads the psalm. Yes, I am a great king, but let's be clear how I got here. Not because I was strong. My enemies were too great for me. It's God who got me here. And you see the humility? And what does it do? It creates a love for God, that kind of perspective. Now, so you, but wait a second. You know, the reason I'm on the uh, captain of the soccer team is I did work hard, right? I have been disciplined. Absolutely. We play a, a, a part. David, David fought many battles. David strategized. David, David was a great leader. True, he was involved, but he understood that all of my strength, all of my military brilliance, all of the mistakes made by my enemy are ultimately gifts from God. Picking up in verse 33, for who is God but the Lord? 
And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Must have been pretty strong. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your right hand supported me, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out in the mire of the streets. We are absolutely involved. But behind our strength, behind our wits, behind our goodness is the help of God. And so I think it's important uh, when you are successful and when you are experiencing a time of prosperity to articulate that. I'm not the author of my success. I didn't get here. And you know what? The role I played was all due to God's empowering me. Ephesians says that all good and perfect gifts come from the Father of lights. Everything that we have in him, we live and move and have our being. Apart from him, I can do nothing. So yeah, you have a good relationship with your kids. Praise God that he's given you energy to serve them and to love them and wisdom to know how to relate to them. It's all God. Have I not built Babylon by my mighty strength and for my glory? That's not what David is saying at all. All right, second part to David's answer to the question, how did I get here? Picking up in verse 4. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress... I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. I think David is saying, I am successful because God cares about me. And he could just say that. He could just say, I'm, I'm successful because God cares for me. But he, he wants us to feel it. He wants us to see it. And so he continues with this, Great imagery. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. David's not using scientific language. I don't think God came as a big dragon. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. 
He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. David, this is the way David imagines God coming to his rescue This is how David understands God to have responded to his cries for help. That when David cried out to God, wicked people are are trying to destroy me. I need you to help me. God became aroused. He was angry at the threat against his son. And he leaves heaven and the throne of heaven and he comes down in great power and shakes the very earth and rescues David. But let me ask you, Christian, do you think God cares about you like that? Or does God only care about David in this way? Because David was the anointed king of Israel. You are a son or daughter of the living God. And I think God wants to authorize you in this psalm to understand his care for you like that. That when you go to him with your your needs and you cry out to God, rescue me, that he is emotionally moved and he comes down in great power to deliver you. Is that how you picture God's concern for you? Or do you think, you know, when I pray, boy, I'm lucky if some little lesser angel picks up my prayer request. I'm not the author of my success. I'm successful because God cares about me. And now the third answer to the question, how did I get here? Verse 20. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Now, David 
David is not claiming to be a perfect person. Last week, we rehearsed some of his uh, egregious sins. He conspired to have Uriah the Hittite murdered so he could take Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, as his own. He counted against God's express command the, uh, the number of Israelite soldiers. He was not a perfect person. That's not what he's claiming. But David took refuge in God. David oriented his whole life toward God. David made God his priority. So here's what David's saying. I am successful because I have made God my priority. And even when David sinned, he grappled with that sin as uh, in faith. He repented of it. He, he went to the Lord and he sought forgiveness and, and uh, restoration. And so David is, is clearly saying the serious Christian can expect God to move powerfully on her behalf, right? That's, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. He's not preaching salvation by good works, but he's saying when you orient your life toward God in, in faith, through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, when you make God your priority, uh, God will be involved in your life for good. And so is that true of me? Is that true of you? Can I say that I have, uh, I have kept the ways of the Lord? His statutes are before me. I, I, I am committing myself to being clean in righteousness. What did Jesus say? Those who love me keep my commands. It's, it gets practical. And so you know, is God a priority to you? And David says, if God is your priority, you can be assured that he will be involved in your life taking care of you. Now, if you are a casual Christian and you only turn to the Lord, you know, when you need the Pez dispenser in the sky... All right, and you need some help. What, would, what do David's words uh, say about that? I'm not the author of my success. I'm successful because God cares about me. I'm successful because I've made God my priority. And then finally, his final answer to the question, how did I get here? Verse 46. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. And here it is. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. So the last part of David's answer to the question, how did I get here, is this. I am successful because God's kingdom prevails. See, David understood himself to be God's anointed king of Israel that he was the leader of God's people, and that 
the, the success of David's kingdom was the su- success of the kingdom of God on earth at that time. And God shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. And so Jesus Christ is God's anointed king today, a, an offspring of David, right? And just as God gave David victory because God ensures that his kingdom prevails, so we can be sure that Jesus Christ, the the great king for all time, will be victorious over all his enemies. And And so our success, our times of peace and prosperity here in this world are just little foretastes. Uh glimpses of the ultimate peace and prosperity and victory that we will have for all time because we are united to Christ by faith. And the king will be victorious and there will be an eternal rest for his people. This psalm was penned by David to the Lord, but it is addressed to the choir master. This psalm was sung by the people of God and has been sung and prayed by the people of God since then. Why? Because when the king is victorious, the people are at peace. And so, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. And so we rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ, the King of heaven, will be victorious, and we, his people, will get to enjoy the fruits of his victory.